Welcome to the Neuropedic Sports Rehab Podcast. I'm your host, Ramez Antoon, but please call me Mez. I'm a physical therapist and a strength coach. And in this show, we talk about the continuum of clinical practice to getting back to training in the gym. We focus on sustainable performance and longevity. I'd like to thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy our show. Before we start, if you're a sports PT interested in a virtual mentorship, make sure you stick around for after the episode. We have more details about our 12-week mentorship program that we've been getting awesome feedback from our students. Also, if you like to consume content by reading, we drop a weekly newsletter every Friday morning with free sports rehab and fitness content. So if you're interested, make sure you check out the episode description where we have a link to sign up for our weekly newsletter. All right, without further delay, let's get into today's episode. Before this episode begins, this is just a warning. There is some profanity in this episode. This is a clip from a conversation that me and Dr. Mike had about joint centration and movement variability. Sometimes I get caught up in the moment, and as I'm ranting, I'll throw out a profanity word here or there to... uh bring the concepts to life. (laughs) So my apologies, but please make sure you are not around children before this episode begins. Thank you and enjoy. So uh, talking about joint centration and movement variability, this kind of evolved from the the podcast I listened to with you and Brett. Um, And this is another thing I'm curious about, about, um, you know, talking about movement variability versus the risk of having eventual injury. So for example, you know, this plenty of people out there who says, you know, for example, we, you know, we all impinge when we reach overhead, you know, we, this, you know, the big thing was with scapular dyskinesis, right? People say, uh, you know, every, there's people who have scapular dyskinesis and have no pain, so you shouldn't change it type thing. And, um, and same thing with joint centration, you know, in terms of like, you know, joints op, uh, function optimally in the centered position. If you think of a shoulder, for example, uh, and that, if it's not in its optimal position, you're, you know, Sarman would say you're, in, you're, incre- you're increasing your risk for microtrauma, which will eventually lead to macrotrauma and lead to, you know, dysfunction. So how do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on variability versus basically, you know, for, for example, we'll go with the patient who has scapular dyskinesis, who has no pain, right? Instead of saying, just keep moving the way you're moving, it's fine, versus thinking like, well, eventually this person may have an issue. Uh, down the road, you know, if they're still they're not moving in an optimal optimal way. Okay, so what's your question? So what, I'm just curious what your thoughts are in terms of like, are you do you think it's more like the, the if someone doesn't have to move in a ideal way to be safe, or that those that person's risking an eventual injury down the road if they're not moving with optimal mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's highly, highly dependent on number one, what is the movement we're talking about and what's the, and what's the goal. Mm -hmm. So the thing with movement variability is, and this we'll go deep into this later in the module with dynamic systems theory and comparing that to the motor program theory is we want the patient to have as many movement options as possible. Okay. But what, Mosh Feldenkrais will say is we want the mat, the action to match the intent. So for example, if like they have um, scapular dyskinesis, right. And their scapula doesn't look coordinated when, when we're moving. Number one, it's 
if, if we take a systematic approach and to ask, okay, why is it moving that way? Is it a mobility or a motor control problem? And let's check all the boxes in terms of the shoulder, the scapula, the thoracic spine, the cervical spine, and do each one of those individual regions demonstrate prerequisite mobility and motor control, mm -hmm. right? Because we, we jump and say scapular dyskinesis, but scapular dyskinesis can be caused by a lot of different things. Like it can be a, sure. it can be a, um, a, a thorax motor control asymmetry. It can be a thorax mobility asymmetry. So mm -hmm. once we've checked all those boxes, rather than jumping to the, because scapular dyskinesis, that's like saying like this, this person's not coordinated. Right. Right. And what is not, what is not coordinated means? It means that the, the action, the intention is not matching the action. Mm -hmm. So let's say we ask someone to move their scapula around and, and, and they can move in every way we ask them to move it. And then all of a sudden when we ask them to do a full pattern, everything goes to shit. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's about identifying the, the move, as many movement options as possible. So do they have adequate motion? Then can they control that motion? And then what's the task that we're asking them to do? And so to relate it back to joint centration, joint centration, I think it comes from, and we'll talk about this in the, um, in the B in the PNF basic principles lecture, when you centrate a joint, you optimize co-contraction of the joint. That doesn't necessarily mean that that is the optimal way that joint should function. Because if let's say, for example, my, my scapula and my shoulders centrated right here with a little bit of abduction, a little bit of external rotation and flexion. If I set myself up and prone in this position, I get optimal congruency of both joint surfaces. And when you put the joint in that position and either apply compression or traction, we can get really great co-contraction amongst right. the agonist and the antagonist. But if I need to reach in the backseat of my car, that's not the optimal position of said joint. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think the, 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 the idea of joint centration is, is great but it comes from the theory of motor control that is the motor program in that the motor program model says that there are certain movement patterns that should look a certain way and the joint should be in a certain position. Then anything that deviates from that position is a mistake mm -hmm. and can cause harm. Whereas the dynamic systems theory kind of takes a different approach and says, okay, we get it. If you don't have the prerequisite motion to be doing the the movements that you're doing, you're going to cause micro trauma. Mm -hmm. So if we don't check that box first and we just say, Oh, just movement variability is health, but you don't have the prerequisites, then you're going to cause micro trauma. But if we check the box of, okay, you have all of the movement options available of that shoulder. And then we take a dynamic systems approach and we say, okay, what is the environment asking us to do? What is the task at hand? What is the actual goal of the movement? If the goal of the movement is to reach in the backseat of your car and get something that's in an awkward position and you've never experienced movement there before, then that's, an, that's also a recipe for getting hurt, right? Mm -hmm. So I think to keep it super practical here is movement variability is only appropriate when the movement stays within the boundaries of what the person has for prerequisites. 
-hmm. And then within your capabilities, try to demonstrate as many movement options and as many, um, show as much control as possible within the available motion. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do crazier shit, then you have to expand your movement options by doing a very systematic um, mobility routine, understanding the stretch reflex, understanding how how long you have to hold things for, understanding that you need to demonstrate force and strength in these positions to expand your capabilities. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree with Sarman and so does Mm -hmm. DNS and so does um, PRI in terms of creating joint centration optimizes sensory afferents to the central nervous system because you have maximal congruency of the joint. And then when you apply compression, you can stimulate as many receptors as possible. When you, in that position, if you provide traction, you also Mm -hmm. can stimulate the joint capsule beautifully to create co-contraction as well. So it's a great starting point for a lot of people making sure that we're centrating within their available ranges. Mm -hmm. And to kind of play off of Sarman and, and, and blend it into the dynamic systems theory, I think it's really important for us to stay within our lane, know our lane, and create variability within that lane, and know what we don't have. And don't try to get too fancy with variability and go beyond that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So what do and you mean just, by that in terms of staying in your lane with that? So like just knowing what your limitations are. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if I know that... If I know that I only have this much external rotation, for example, right. right, and I should have this much external rotation, okay, and then so from here to here, I have zero experience and zero access to, and then I go and do activities that take me into this range with force, speed, and variability, I'm not going to survive. Right, okay. I'm going to get hurt. But if I, if, if I know that I only have this much range, I can apply the concept of variability to this range of motion. But if I then start getting too fancy with variability and take me into this range and I don't even have access there, the central nervous system is going to be like, fuck you. (laughs) Right. Right. Or you're going to move somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? So that's where Andrea Spina's system comes in so huge because it's not necessarily just a mobility system. It's a load management system and knowing what someone's prerequisites are knowing what they don't have for movement and knowing how to keep that person in their mobility lane mm-hmm. and introducing variability there to minimize injury. And the FMS, we say the same thing, right? Right. Like prescribe exercises within their capabilities for capacity. And then if they want to expand their capacity, prescribe exercises that will expand their capacity safely. Mm-hmm. which really ties in nicely the, the concept of uh, the principle of protect, correct, and develop. Protect them from things that are going to hurt them in their environment, aka exercises that they don't have prerequisites for. Mm-hmm. And then correct, let's say, a mobility deficit or motor control deficit. Prescribe them exercises to expand those prerequisites. And then develop develop their capacities so develop fitness endurance strength power and agility within their available ranges mm-hmm. does that gotcha. make sense does, does that answer yeah. your question it does yeah thank you it's kind of a very roundabout way of going about it but no, it was good though was this good will day. come back this will come back up in the motor program and the dynamic systems model 
because I go off on a rant on this <laughs> with like flexion of the back and variability. You're going to love it. I can't wait. But that's a really cool. good question. Really good question. So um, we'll move on to, to isolation versus compound movements. Before you go, if anything in this episode today confused you or if you have any questions about what I said in the episode, please feel free to email me at remez at neuropedicspt.com. I answer all my emails. I really want to help you get the most out of this content. So feel free to reach out. I am open to nerding out with any of you. Thanks again for listening. I want to let you know about our foundation's mentorship program. This is a 12-week program designed for orthopedic and sports physical therapists interested in better understanding how various motor control and neuromuscular rehab models can be integrated into any practice, making you a well-rounded therapist while improving outcomes. With the various motor control perspectives available to us today, oftentimes we can be left feeling confused, not knowing who to listen to and which course to take next. We know what it feels like to take a weekend course and feel like you have to choose between one approach or another, but it doesn't have to be that way. What if a certain depth of understanding in various models brought us some clarity, cognitive agility, and creativity into our clinical practice? That's our goal with this 12-week program. We'll dive deep into five of the foundational systems of motor control, like the reflex model and the dynamic systems model, We'll dissect each model's strengths and weaknesses to see how each model may complement one another through synergy. Here's what you'll get through this 12-week program. You'll get home study content, which will consist of PowerPoint audio lectures. You'll get one-on-one -on -one mentoring calls for an hour a week where we dissect practical case study examples from your current caseload so you can apply the content to your clients right away. We'll also have plenty of time for Q&A so you can get a deeper understanding of the home study material. Here's what you will not get from this program. We're not offering new techniques or fancy exercises, and we're not promoting new assessment or evaluation strategies. And rather than bashing other systems, we'll be taking a different approach towards motor control, an inside-out approach where we start with our why and our beliefs and values. If you're interested in learning more about this 12-week mentorship program, please email us at neuropedicspt at gmail.com we're now offering free discovery calls so you can learn more about what we have to offer. And now, without further delay, let's dive into today's episode.